Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. children's uh, teacher in Wilmington, North Carolina, so New Hanover County. That's where I started. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania, so I did all my student teaching up there, so I actually had to do a full year of student teaching uh, for uh, special education at that time. That would have been like in 2000 or so, and so that my first seven years was uh, in, in, you know, exceptional children's programs, and I taught self-contained autism um, non, nonverbal students, you know, mostly was, was, uh, who I led. I was always told by a lot of teachers that I should be a principal or, and to be honest, I was a horrible employee and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a good employee for our school. I was good for my kids. I was an advocate for my kids, but I think I would have a hard time leading me. Um, and that'll kind of, come out like a couple times during our our talk and then so uh i tried to get many jobs in new hanover county in the central office and i was always told um oh you did so well during your interview and but we went with someone else so i ended up leaving the school system and i went and i worked at a charter school uh, which i didn't know what a charter school was at the time and uh um I applied for that job and a job at UNC Wilmington that I just, you know, completed my master's program there. And so I actually, after about five months of being at the charter school, I got hired by UNC Wilmington, uh, you know, to be a project leader. And I never thought, Dr. Johnson, I never thought I would ever leave the university. I thought I was going to be there forever. It was going to be the best job on the planet. And then um, if you remember in 2008 or nine, uh, like the, you know, like the budget got, you know, crushed and, 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 and so all those, you know, jobs left. Um, so I got put into a job that was really boring, but they started a doctoral program at UNC Wilmington. And so it was free. If you're a college student or if you're an employee of the university, most of your, you know, courses are free. So I started this doctoral program again, still didn't want to be a principal. Um, and it was for a superintendent, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do any of that. And I said, just get your letters, and you'll be able to do whatever you want when you're done. So I went through the doctoral program, and I got to travel to South Africa to uh, uh, for you know uh, two weeks and see schools there, and because their graduation rate in South Africa was the same as ours in North Carolina at the time. Um, and they were doing it with 50 kids in a class and untrained uh, teachers who had chalk and a chalkboard at best as their tools. And so um, when I was in that doctoral program is when I went back to that uh, charter school and uh, uh, was the middle school principal. Still didn't really have administrative you know, degree or experience at the time. 
But it was when then I started to write my dissertation on the characteristics of effective charter schools. It's a page turner. I know you've all read it. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun. And uh, but what I did is through that uh, process, I started to visit the highest performing charter schools across North Carolina. And what I realized when I got to visit these schools and work with these you know, school leaders and tour their uh, buildings, that I was doing leadership all wrong. Um, I did not understand that leadership is not about a title. It's not about a certification. It's not about a position. Leadership is about influence and it's about building relationships and achieving great things through the talents and skills of other people. And uh, I was not doing that. And so I realized what a horrible employee I was, right? Because I had told you I was, I didn't realize I was a bad employee, but when I became a principal, I realized I wouldn't want to lead me. And so I had to make some significant, you know, changes in my life, character and, and all sorts of things. So one of the first and maybe the best, you know, question you asked was about um, trust, right? And you just, you know, kind of asked it again. I want to make sure the question, right, was what, you know, what steps can a new leader take to, you know, establish their identity and start to build a you know, trusting, positive culture? And so, you know, trust is the foundation of leadership. It's the glue that holds everything. And so, you know, one of the keys to build trust is to be trustworthy. I think we've all probably been around someone or maybe worked for someone who we didn't trust. Right? And everything moves at the speed of trust. So when you're an organizational leader, when you're finding bottlenecks in the process or things are slowing down or whatever it may be, I've learned that you got to look for the lack of trust. Somebody doesn't trust somebody in the organization or as a, you know, part of the process. And it's your job as a leader to root that out, right? But if you're not a trustworthy person yourself, if I don't trust you, <laughs> then why would I, you know, why would I, you know, why would I follow you? And again, right. it goes back to the influence piece and the, and the leadership part is that, you know, um, uh, you know, leadership, there's this five levels of leadership. If any of you have ever read it, you know, before by uh, John Maxwell, but um, the lowest level of leadership is positional leadership. It's I have a title, right, or I have, you know, whatever. I've been given a position like dad, right? So I'm a dad, and I got two kids. So that I have positional leadership over my, you know, kids, right? So that's the easiest way to explain it is, you know, go to bed. Why? Because I said so, right? That's That's positional leadership. But many leaders believe when they get the position that that's what, they just need to do is to tell other people what to do, you know, direct them what to do. And I'm only going to follow you up, you know, to the point where I trust you, right, up until the point where I'm not going to get in trouble or I'm not going to lose my job. So the second level of leadership is permissional leadership. It's, it's that I've gained your permission now for you to follow me and for you to you know, follow um, these expectations that we have in place. But if you don't trust me as your leader, you're not going to follow me. You're only going to nod your head and say, okay, and then go do what you want. So someone asked, um, who was it who asked a question here? I can't read my own writing. But, you know, someone asked, like, how do you get a teacher to go along with you when they're not? 
if you've got that, right, or if you've got someone in your organization or someone on your team who's not, you know, following along, you have to ask them, well, have I gained their permission to lead them? And that's really important because in this room, right, in this Zoom, you know, I have positional leadership, right? Like I'm borrowing, I'm borrowing the belief in Dr. Johnson. He doesn't, he doesn't know me. He heard from Rachel and Rachel, right? I mean, so he's borrowing, right? I'm, I'm now, you know, uh, borrowing his influence and I only have a certain amount of time to gain your permission for you to actually listen to me. Some of you may have already clicked off and you might be doing something else. I don't know, right? But that's what it is. It's about understanding that I'm at a different level of relationship and influence with every single person that I walk into the room with. And when you become a organizational leader, a school leader, or whatever you aim to do, you, you walk into that staff meeting, you're going to be at a different level of influence and leadership with every single human being in there. And it's your job, it's your job uh, to build trust, right, with, with those and to maintain levels of leadership with those who believe in you. And the easiest way to lose that is to lose trust, is to do something that's, you know, untrustworthy of them. And we see that a lot, right? We saw that a lot in Hollywood a few years ago, right? Like just like trust takes a lifetime to gain, but one bad, one bad decision, one bad, you know, character flow, one bad, and it's gone. It's gone forever. And um, so I just love this quote by uh, John Maxwell. He says, when you make a commitment, you build hope. But when you keep a commitment is when you build trust. So you ask me, how do you build trust? Make a commitment and do it, right? You know, follow through with what you said you would do and then root out the lack of trust, right? You just kind of have to go, you know, to people and just say, hey, um, I ask, I ask you to do this, right? But I see you doing that. Help, help me understand. But if I don't have influence with you, let's just say Rachel, right? If I don't have that rapport or trust with you, Rachel's not going to trust me to say, oh, well, right? And that's what happens a lot. You know, we get, you know, defensive when we are held to high expectations or questioned on things. And so if I haven't built trust with you and, and rapport with you as a leader, you're going to see my questioning as um, a bad word of accountability. And I think in education, we've ruined the word accountability. And accountability is really, can I count on you? Can I, I'm asking you to do something. Can I count on you to do it? I'm trusting you to do it. And you can't build high expectations in your organization. You can't build and you know, get to excellence without high levels of trust and accountability. But uh, we've really eroded that. And that's done through a lot of positional leadership behavior, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you, mentioned, you mentioned following through. And I've told the story in class when I've – Excuse me, when I first started as a middle school principal, I remember the first faculty meeting that I had. I started making all these promises. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then about two to three months into it, 
people start asking me, when is this going to happen? When is this going to start? And then I realized, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's, if I had a do over, that's one thing I would definitely change. I would not try to over promise because I think sometimes, um, in an effort to build trust, um, sometimes we do over promise and overextend ourselves and it comes back to bite us. Yeah, that's a good point. You only have about, um, you know, communication only has about a three to a six month shelf life in leadership. Because eventually someone's going to say, that's great. Are you going to do anything? Like, <laughs> like, what do you want to do about it? Or you've been talking about that for a while, you know? So at the school that Rachel's at, at, you know, Union Day School, you know, I came in in a time of, um, you know, a crisis and, uh, and a lot of mistrust. And so I had only thought I would be there three months while well, we're, you know, running on six months now. And I can feel like – Hmm. I haven't followed through with every promise. I could guarantee that I'm losing credibility with certain members of the staff, you know, you know, because I haven't executed on certain things. And so that's important as a leader for you to, you know, recognize um, what commitments have I made and have I com communicated the time frame to get there? Right. Because I want to cast vision. I want to cast faith in the future. Well, I can create power in the present, but if I don't, you know, follow through with that, all that power is just going to, um, you know, you know, fizzle away, right? I'm just going to do my job to get a paycheck, but I'm going to be looking for other things. Yep. Um, yep. That's a, that's a big one. So someone asked me, two people asked me, what's, what's the most important part of your day? Well, I, I will tell you a huge part of your day is, um, I call it leading by walking around. You got to get out of your office, into the hallways, into the classrooms, and just ask people, how are you doing? What are you working on? How can I help? What's in your way? What do you need? And then when they tell you, you've got to write it down or do something, and then go do it for that person. Because if, you know, you know, Reagan, she could tell me 19 times that she needs like a new pencil sharpener or, you know, something doesn't work in her room. And I never fix it. She's just going to be like, there's no sense in me telling you anything because you never execute on the little things. Why would I think you would do a big thing? Right. So that's that's one big part of your day, I would say. I think, you know, Sierra asked and, and uh, Rachel asked and, uh, you know, maybe someone else. A big part is is building rapport and understanding what your people are great at and what are their hopes and dreams and aspirations and how can I help you get there? I mean, one of the main reasons I was attracted to that uh, charter school when I was leaving the school district for this job that I knew nothing about, I wanted to be an exceptional children's, um, uh, you know, uh, director, you know, and the guy said to me, he said, well, we aim to have 100 charter schools in North Carolina. You could be the EC uh, director for all of them. And I was like, oh, I'm in. That's all he had to say, right? He brought me in because he, he, he put me in the picture of the future of the organization. Now, it never happened, but it excited me because he knew what I was looking for. And so as a leader, you got you to gotta know and understand your people. You got to spend time with them and um, build you know, relationships with them and understanding with them. 
um, a, uh, you know, a, a professional relationship, right? And just really understand what makes them sing and laugh and cry. And, 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 and that's important. That's going to build trust. Then they're going to follow you anywhere. Whatever you're doing, they're in. They don't care. I'm in. Does that help? Yes. <clears throat> and, you know, speaking of building trust, is it Sierra? It might be you. I'm trying to remember who has gone through, like, four principles in the last five years or something <laughs> like that. Is it your school, Sierra? Yes, this is my third principle in the last – since I've been there, and this is my seventh year. Yeah, and and we had talked about how difficult it is to build trust, too, when you have constant, you know, turnover in leadership. The teachers just stop believing. Because I've outlasted you, and I'm going to outlast the next guy or gal, right? Uh, Yep. yep. I've been here, so that's there. Someone's going to share. Yeah, I mean, so over the last two years, so since – January of 2020, I've been the head of, I think this is my sixth uh, charter school in short term because of turnover. And wow. um, the average the average tenure for a North Carolina principal, a few years ago I found some data on it. It was 2.7 years. So if you think about it, every three years, you know, the principal's turning over. So just say from a charter school, uh, you know, if you don't know and understand uh, you know, charter schools, they have a governing board and, you know, the schools, you know, based upon a certain mission and vision. And so if every three years the leader's turning over and every three years the board's turning over because that's normally like their term limits. I mean, every three years the school is slowly drifting away from why it it, it was birthed. Mm-hmm. And and that's a huge issue. Um, and, and so, and I think, you know, for, for, most of the charter schools in North Carolina, that term is even shorter. Um, the school that I'm at now has had five or six leaders in in its six years. So, and when I leave, there'll be another transition. So how do you build trust with that, right? How do you build continuity and, you know, a consistency when the majority of your staff or all of your staff are gone? Uh, nobody knows why the school was, you know, they take out like a charter, like a piece of paper. Oh, did did you know this? Like, how about that? Because we just did that, right, Rachel? Like last week, did, did you all know that this is what the education plan should be? Oh, you didn't know that? Okay, well, this is where we're going, right? This is this is what we're going to move towards, right? Because we need something common to you know, rally behind. Because there was a you know question about culture, too. And so, right, so culture um, <clears throat> culture is the worst behavior that you'll tolerate as a leader. That's that's what culture is. So if you've got set, you know, a policies and then, you know, people don't you know follow the policy and you don't hold them accountable for it. Now you've just lowered the culture. Right. So now you've just lowered the expectations. And so culture is you're going to have culture no matter what. Right. It's either culture by design or culture by default. Those are the, those are the two ways you're going to get it. And uh, but it's in the people. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's having values. It's having clearly, you know, defined values of how we'll treat people and how we want people to feel treated. Um, that's a big part of it. And so if your organization has core values, you know, you, uh, you know, define them, you give examples and non-examples of them, 
you train around them, you measure them, you model them as a leader, you correct people in a timely manner when they don't, right? Because if, if something happens at my school and I don't like it, but I don't address it, and the person saw me see them do it, they just said, oh, that must be okay for me to yell at kids, or that must be okay for me to show up late, or that must be okay for me not not to teach, right, or just to hand out worksheets. <clears throat> and that's your job as a leader, is to constantly hold the image of what the culture you want to see, and you've got to live it and model it and continue to draw people up you know, towards it by saying um, – you can do that. You just can't do it here, right? <laughs> like, yeah. this is what we expect of you. And if you don't want to do it, that's cool. You just can't do it here. So you need to let me know. Are you going to start to do this or not? And if you're not, then I'll help you find another role, you know, somewhere else. But I can't have you do that here. Because when you do that, it makes me feel like you don't value the school or you don't value your teammates or you don't value the kids. And as a result, I'm losing trust in you. And, 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 and so, um, yeah, so culture is, culture is critical. It eats, it eats your plan for breakfast. Doesn't matter how good your plan is. If your culture is bad, it, it's, it has no shot. So I would imagine, uh, and you know, some of your schools, right? Because most, you know, district schools don't necessarily have those, missions and visions and values types. I mean, when I taught in the uh, district school, we did not have, you know, missions and visions and values and culture contracts and things like that. It was all, you know, driven by the leader that I ran into. So, you know, your, you know, your uh, culture is the, it's the rituals and the stories and the ceremonies that exist in the school. And one of the schools that I was a principal at, the uh, story that I could never get out of anybody's head is that you could be fired at any time. So it didn't matter how good my staff was. They were always worried about getting fired. And I'd say, I'm not going to fire you. But the last day of school for four years in a row was when anybody who wasn't going to get renewed you know, would be told. And so I'll never forget in my second year as a principal on the last day of school, <laughs> uh, going to, you know, classrooms to check on my teachers and the doors were locked. And I'd say, I'm not going to fire you. Let me in. And I went and I went to my boss. I said, I will never, ever, ever terminate anybody on the last day of school again. It makes the last day of school horrible for me. And it has completely eroded all this trust. And so at that point, we just, you know, changed our practices. But I didn't realize how how culture is really powerful. I mean, it's overwhelmingly and and it's it's invisible, but it's very visible because it's based upon the actions of the people in the organization. Um, so it's it's really important. So so the so so this is what you do. So you see it. Right. So you got to you got to see what you want to see. So you got to have vision of how you want people to feel treated and treat each other. Define it. Right. So write down the words that you want. Right. So honesty, respect, you know, whatever they are and write out like what does that look like here and do it with your staff and sit down with your team. Like, what do we all, um, you know, this, you know, values based exercise 
and then you got to teach it, right? You got to make sure that your training's around it. And so there's a lot of really great schools that do like, you know, circle time and they talk about their, you know, values and, and, you know, what they are. It's part of the ritual and the constant discussion, right? So you want to be able to train it and, you know, teach around it and then measure it, right? So measure what's important about your culture. So it could be attendance, right? Could be volunteer hours, latenesses. I mean, whatever that's important data to your culture, find a way to measure it because anything measured can get improved. Um, and then, and then you've got to uh, make sure that you are modeling it as as a leader consistently, and correct it when um, it's not it's not being adhered to. Correct yourself first. Actions speak louder than words. Yep. So someone someone uh, commented to me uh, that their principal thinks that the culture is great. Yeah. And that's really bad when the leader is in denial about the culture. And it looks one way to them when they look in the mirror, but it's really another way uh, to everyone else. That, that's, that's a bad place. Yeah, and that's, and that's someone who's unfortunately either lacking awareness, right, yep. or they're just out of touch with how their people feel. And, uh, you know, I remember when I went to South Africa and um, there's this, uh, this first school that we went to. It was a secondary school and it was looted. Like there was actually no electricity in the school and, and uh, it was looted um, and, and, and everything was destroyed. And there was like the bathrooms were disgusting. And, but all these kids came to school there, all these kids. And they came like five, 10 kilometers by foot to come to school. Like, this is crazy to me. And the, and the principal walks up to us in a three-piece suit, like looking like, and I was just blown away. I was like, how could this human being allow these kids come into this building every day and call it school, right, and healthy? And um, the next day we went to the to the other school. It was Emifini Primary, and it was the feeder school of that school. And after what we saw the day you know, prior, I was like, what are we going to see? Like these are younger kids. The school was beautiful. It was, it was, it was, uh, you know, yellow painted and full of life and kids and, and they were all eating and, and, and this, you know, bus, you know, pulls up and, and this, you know, woman hops out and she says, Oh, I'm the principal of the school. And I just took the kids down to the beach, to the beach because they earned a reward. And most of our kids have never seen the beach here and, in um, uh, Port Elizabeth. And, and um, I was like, I was blown away and she had told us that she had saved up grant money and bought Tupperware containers and every Friday she would send food home to the families. And in in essence, those families built a cultural wall around the school, right? They were protecting the school from the looters and, and there was, uh, you know, lots of stories of uh, people that would – be outside the school pretty either not alive or, um, you know, pretty uh, beat up the next day because they tried to get into the school. She had built this expectations and this, you know, culture through giving, you know, the families what they needed. Like she understood what her families needed. She found ways to feed them because that's pretty much why most kids go to school in Africa is 
food and a chance to get out of there, right? You know, education. And um, it blew me away. And that was really one key indicator for me about here's this man in the three-piece suit and the place was a dump versus this, you know, woman who was like in a collared shirt and she was driving a bus and she was engaged and the kids were so happy. And I was like, wow, what a difference in the culture. They were only three kilometers apart. It was the same neighborhood. But she had, she was a leader, right? She was a, she was a permissional, influential individual versus he, he was, you know, misunderstood, right? He, he, he thought leadership was about his suit and uh, other stuff. But yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a big experience for me and in, in, in starting to understand that leadership had nothing to do with um, uh, who you were. It was about yeah. how, how you treat other people. So, yeah. What, what you just described is truly servant leadership. Yeah. That, that is servant leadership. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, let, let me ask you a question. Sure. So you've been, you're like the turnaround school leader for these places, right? You walk into toxic situations and you turn them around. What is one thing that you like to do right off the bat, as soon as you get into a school, to establish yourself as the leader? Yeah. Oh, well, um, well, that's the last thing I do, I think, is I tell them I'm the leader, right? I, 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 I try to identify, and this was, you know, someone's question about, how do I spend my day or, you know, you have to identify the strengths in other people. So the first thing I do is I look, um, I ask a lot of questions. Okay. I have learned the hard way before you knock a fence down, make sure you know why it's there. So I just ask all sorts of questions about how come we do it this way? Are we happy with this? What are some ways we've tried? What is your role here? What do you think you're great at, right? Because you need to identify, you, you can't do it by yourself and you should never try to do it by yourself. So I need teams. So I need to identify um, who has influence in the building and what are their strengths? Uh, because I need to create uh, momentum and I'm gonna create momentum using borrowing the influence of the individuals um, around me, okay? So um, the number one job of a leader is to identify the current reality of the situation. So ask a lot of questions and really find out like what's happening here? Are we hemorrhaging anywhere? You know, do I got any really, really toxic people that I probably need to deal with, right? Are they causing bigger problems? Uh, because I want to keep them close, you know, to me. Um, <clears throat> that's important. Uh, as you have an understanding of what's their situation, and and the more you talk to them, the more you understand whether or not um, they're on your side. <laughs> There's these um, these uh, skillful politicians. They're really good at looking the part and showing the part, and they want to be really helpful. Um, to your face and then give them a chance out there in the out open and they're, you know, destroying everything that you're, you know, trying to do. Okay. Um, so current, so what's the current reality? What's the current situation? Who are my committed influencers in the building and how can I set them up for success with clear vision and um, 100% authority to go do work, right? I try to empower them. 
And a lot of people in those situations have never been empowered and they always don't, you know, trust the like empowerment. And I just say, look, make, make decisions. What's best for kids first. And then the organization. And if either of them are wrong, I'll take the blame and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Right. Cause then I don't want you to, you know, do it wrong again. Cause now you feel bad. Um, that's pretty much it. And that's how I just continue to try to, um, in like 90 day, if I have 90 days, 90 day kind of increments of, okay, what is 90 days from now look like? Sometimes I don't have a 90 day vision. Sometimes I just have a one day vision. There's been many days I've had like a three hour vision. Like, what do I want three hours from now to look like? There was many days at that school, um, where, I mean, we had 15 subs in the building or we had all sorts of things happening and I would be with that front desk person. I said, Hey, I'll see you at 10 o'clock, like hour by hour, you know, we're going to check in. And it was like, I remember one day it was like two forty-five, and I was like, I think we're going to make it right. I think we're, I was just trying to build hope, right. Cause they were really, really feeling bad. So I, so, you know, you have to, you have to build hope in people and, and let them know that they can do this. You know, we're all humans and, and, uh, who cares if we mess up? Like, what's the worst? I ask leaders all the time, what's the worst that could happen? And then they name a couple of things. Is that it? Is that what we're worried about here? Is that really? I mean, we can fix, you know, compliance issues. We can fix bad decisions. You know, we can't fix people when when we do something, you know, to, um, you know, damage them. But the other stuff is just things like, well, we will, you know, we will figure it out. Mm-hmm. Someone well, at yeah, I don't know what your time frame is here. I mean, I'm happy to you know stay. I, yeah, I was gonna at 5:45. I was gonna maybe open it up for any other questions they might have for the last 10 minutes or so. Sure, that's okay. Yeah, all right. So uh, let me just hit just a few of these real quick. Um, the hiring process, behavior-based interview questions, and I'll send you mine, uh, Dr. Johnson. You could. Hand them to your team. Um, ask people in interviews, tell me about a time in which, right? Don't ask, say, hey, we do this here. Are you okay with that? Because I hear that all the time. The, the number one reason why schools, the number one reason why organizations have individuals in them who don't belong is because they don't do their diligence on the front end. If you're not preparing on the front end, you'll be repairing on the back end. So you've got to make sure your hiring process is really tight and you're constantly learning from it. And you got to ask, you know, questions that tell you about the person's behavior, not a hypothetical uh, type uh, question, because I can answer any hypothetical. But tell me what you've done. I want to know. Right. Tell me about a time where you had to teach a kid how to read. Take me through all the steps. What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the process? I mean, there you can't fake that answer because you'll because you'll know, right? So anyway, so that was one of the hiring ones. You know, someone asked about that. And I was, love what you just said that if you're not preparing on the front end, you're repairing on the back end. Okay. That is so true. Yep. Yes. And make sure you make your supervisory reference calls. Holy cow! Uh, it blows me away. Nobody. Most people don't make those phone calls anymore. And I say, you need to give me your three 
last supervisors, not your friends, not your colleagues. I'll take one of those. I need three supervisor because I want to know who led you. And, and there's just, you know, folks who don't make that call and then they wonder why they've got multiple people in an organization that are tearing it up from the inside out because you didn't call the last person that they tore up their school. They were excited uh, that they were, you know, moving on. So, well, yeah, the passing of the lemons, right? That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. And then um, how do you deal with difficult people? So there's, there's, it's, there's this formula that I learned from Simon Sinek. It's called FBI, Feelings, Behavior, Impact. Most difficult people don't realize that they're actually difficult. They, they just assume that, you know, this is normal. And so there's those that lift and those that lean, right? So you want to stay away from leaners as much as possible and surround yourself with lifters. But when, you know, someone does something that, you know, bothers you, it's feelings, behavior, impact. Here's how you made me feel when you did this and as a result, right, and you just fill in the blank. So uh, when, you, uh, when you showed up late for the meeting unprepared, it made me feel like you don't value my time and the time of the team. And as a result, you know, I'm really losing a faith or a trust that you can be this team lead, right? And then you could go through kind of a help me understand how can I best help you be better for the next time. Uh, but you need to be very direct with individuals who are sucking the life and the air out of the room. And you need to be so specific. Don't use words like every time or all the time because they will find the one time that they showed up on time and they'll say, no, 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 I was, er no, I was early then. So just tell them when you showed up late today, right, or when you showed up at 10.03 for a 10 o'clock meeting, and then just let them know. Don't argue with them. Just tell them exactly what they did wrong, okay, and how it makes you feel and what's the impact, right? The impact is I'm not going to talk to you anymore, right? Every time you come to me and complain and I give you advice and you don't take it, you make me feel like, you know, I mean, whatever it is. Some people are just attracted to the struggle, so you just got to kind of leave them to the side and move on. So Yeah, and I think leaders – so often get caught up in all of the day-to-day tasks and they just kind of take the bury their head in the sand approach when yeah. it comes to dealing with those people. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can't afford to be the technician, right? So Sierra, you asked, what should the, the brand new principal do? Surround yourself with really great people. Number one, it's the first thing you do, right? Your success is going to be determined by the people that you surround yourself with. That's it. The second thing is know what you're good at, everybody. Know what your strengths are. And when you're surrounding yourself with really good people, have them have the strengths that you're not very good at, right? So you want to be like-minded in terms of values and goals, but diverse in terms of experiences and uh, skill sets. And most leaders surround themselves with comfortable people. I want to surround myself with someone who's not going to hold me accountable and we're going to have a good time trying to get the work done. And, uh, and that's it. It's the most successful organizations and teams that are able to create healthy conflict and, 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 and real healthy teams through diversity. Um, right. Again, like-minded values, but you know, different skill sets. 
I'm looking at my wife over here. She uh, certainly holds me accountable. Yes. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you have to know yourself, right? I mean, if you've ever done like a DISC personality profile, I mean, those things are really important so you can have a better understanding of how I'm wired impacts how other people see me. Like, it's a full-time job leading me. I'm the hardest person in my world to lead is me, right? So you got to be able to lead yourself well before you'll even try to go out there and lead other people because people are going to say, I'm not following. You can't even show up on – look at you, right? I mean, most of the times I come to work and I'm all, you know, disheveled. I don't like the iron. I live in a hotel half the time. I'm, I'm like, i gotta, I got to do better for me because <laughs> no one's going to listen to me, you know? Luckily, I don't have hair, so I don't have to worry about that part. You know, it's just it is it is what it is. What other questions? Is there anything else? Did I get everybody? Let me see here. Oh, balance. There isn't any, so don't don't try. It's it's harmony. Do I love what I do? My clarity and my purpose, right? So you've got to get clear on um, why you exist. And so uh, when you do that, when you're clear with your purpose and you and and you love what you do, and that's either adding, you know, for me, it's, you know, being, you know, this is part of my purpose. I love trying to add value, you know, to others. And hopefully, you know, this has been valuable to you. And so I filter every decision through that. Right. Will this take me closer or farther away from my vision and my purpose? If it's closer then I say yes. So when you're working, right, you have to be able to turn it off. And because there's one thing I've learned as a leader is that your to-do list will never go away. The email box will never be empty. And if you do empty your email box, then that means you're sacrificing the wrong things. And you need to spend more time with the people that bring you um, energy and life and fulfill you. Uh, rather than doing the work for somebody else, right? Um, I like to serve my clients, and and I try to serve, but I but I have two kids, and I got my wife, and I and there's many times, and my son, he's the best at it. He sees me on my phone, he'll be like, Dad, get off that phone. This is my time, right? He's he's nine, and he has been since he was five. He has been on me about being learning how to be present for him. He's he's by far my best accountability partner. Um, that is great to hear. That is great to hear. Yeah, and <laughs> super super important, right? So don't yeah. worry about you know balance. There isn't harmony. Do I love what I do? It's okay to say no. I mean, don't worry about it. You know, like just be there for the people who matter to you most, and um, and that's it. And 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 you just. You know, you get better at it, I think, over time. Some people are really good at just being able to turn it off. I'm not. Um, so it's a constant fight, you know, for me. But um, listen to the people. Like, there's – you can easily be uh, uh, replaced in your job, but you can't be replaced in your home. So. Totally agree. Yeah. Are there any other questions? Um, I have an off-the-cuff question. So, Any job you want is yours, Rachel. Oh, okay. Especially the head of school job. What? No, well, yeah, we do have one of those. Okay. We do have an opening. If anybody's interested, right. we've got some good candidates in this class. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a few of us who are fifth years, meaning this is 
kind of, like, we're young. We all just finished our undergrad literally a year ago. And we're about to finish this program now. What kind of advice or what's one tangible thing we could do as young emerging leaders to kind of kickstart our leadership journey? Like, I don't think any of us are really in a position to quite, you know, step up to the plate in a meaningful capacity. But, you know, what's something we could do within our schools or lives to kind of get ready for that step? Yep. Great question. The first thing is you're already a leader. You're all leaders. Leadership is influence. It's not about your title, right? So you all lead somebody, okay? And the, the, so what I would do is I would know what, what fills your heart, right? Uh, leaders need to understand what is required of them. Now, they're responsible for everything, but what's required of them is really how they should spend their day. Like what's the most important things that I should do as a leader? And there's lots of things that I do that I shouldn't. So you, Rachel, could say, hey, Tom, I noticed that um, we could really use help with X, Y, Z. I would love to be able to do that for us. Um, I've already started to really think through that. I'm happy to give you my plan or my thoughts, right? I mean, leading up is a critical part of learning how to become a 360-degree leader, right? You got to gain the permission of the people around you, right? You got to lead down, you know, to those who follow. But you got to learn to lead up. And one way to lead up is just to ask, ask a leader, how can I help? Or I've noticed these are some things that we need. Or I overheard at the staff meeting you're looking for someone to do this. I would like to do that, right? I think that's that's how I would do it. And then you could start to get some experience and and start to see the school from like a bigger picture and or or go to things that are big picture um, uh, um, you know uh, pieces. One of the things that we run in my company is the Teacher Leader Academy where we bring uh, teachers from all different charter schools into some of the most high-performing schools, and we tour the school, and they get to meet the other teachers, and they network, right? The more that you can network and learn what other great effective schools are doing, the more your toolbox and the more your vision is going to expand about what you can bring back to your school and be a leader, right? So there's 10, 11 other people in here, ask them, hey, we got a problem at our school. How do you guys all solve this? And now you've got 10 ideas of how you can bring it back to your school and make it better, right? So right now, master scheduling. Oh, my gosh, what a mess, right? Master calendars, hiring, recruiting. There's a million things that leaders have on their to-do list. <clears throat> you could take the time and be like, hey, I, I could help with a couple of those things. That's That's where I would start. Well, Dr. Miller, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Yeah, you're welcome. Share, yeah, these words of wisdom. You have packed a lot of wonderful information in one hour, um, and we we very much appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And um, so I think I'll just end with this, uh, if I can. Um, leadership evolves daily. It's not in the day. There's no microwave leaders, right? So every single day. I end the day with what went well, what went wrong, and what can I do better tomorrow, right? 
And that's that evaluative, reflective experience, right? Every single day. And then you got to apply it. You got to actually do it differently, right? Than the last time. If it was yeah, right, right. <laughs> you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over because that's the definition of insanity. But right, what went well, what went wrong, how can I get better? Right. And just constantly every day, just looking to improve just a little bit. I mean, if you if you set a goal to get one percent better every week, even if you took a two week vacation during the year, you would be 50 percent better at the end of the year. Right. And I would love to be 50 percent better at everything every year. How how great would that be? Um, so. Yeah, thank you so much. You guys just keep in the fight and um, just just remember, right? Every day, it's just another opportunity to to uh, you know make the difference in someone else's life. And you guys are doing that, and you're doing. You probably don't even realize you're doing it, but you're impacting a lot of people. And down the road, someone's going to come to you and say, "Oh, you were in that class, or you were my teacher," and you're like, "Oh, wow, I didn't realize I had made a difference in your life." And it's really exciting when that happens. So, but, you're absolutely right. Uh, well, yes, again, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, have a great rest of your evening. And um, I've got a gift from HPU. I'll have to pass it. I'll give it to Rachel to give to you. Kind and, Abby, I know we got to get one of your principal also. Hey, leaders, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Principal's Office Podcast. I hope it added value to you. Uh, if it has, make sure you share it out. Subscribe and rate. Uh, the principal's office podcast and you know let us know how we're doing even if it's a bad comment it's okay i can take it i need feedback i crave feedback hey real quick a lot of leaders ask me hey tom you know do you have a resource for you know assessing your school i'm about to do some some short and long-term planning and and the answer is yes uh right now if you go to our webpage at lbleaders.com at the very top you can click on and take our 10 indicators of high performing schools assessment 10 indicators of high performing schools it'll take you less than 10 minutes take it through it's a self-assessment and as soon as you're done it'll send you your score right to your inbox and here's what i would encourage you to do share it with all of your administration uh, team and have everybody take it it's completely free and you're each going to get a printout of your individual results. Sit down as a team and take a look at the indicators and, and, and have a conversation around why everybody rated what score. And what is the best part is once you finish your assessment, you're going to also receive a, a short teaching video on each of the 10 indicators and a free resource that's going to help you begin to immediately improve your school. So if you want that, Go to our website at lbleaders.com or look for the link that's right here in this uh, podcast episode and quickly take the test. In less than 10 minutes, you'll have results. Thanks, everybody, for always adding value to me and allowing me to live out my purpose. I'm Dr. Tom Miller, raising your awareness.